What's up, bikers? Welcome to episode 149 of the Biker Bar. Really appreciate everybody tuning in today. I know it's been a little bit of a break since right before Sea Otter, but you know, sometimes you need that. And uh, here I am. Great show today. I'm really excited to talk with Dylan Lamar from Commonsol. And uh, before we get started, though, just let me let me run through the typicals here. First off, number one supporters of the channel is everybody on Patreon. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, if any of you guys are interested or any of you people out there are interested in helping support the channel, just swing by patreon.com slash biker or put in biker B1KER. You, you, I'm pretty sure you know how to use a browser. Anyways, do that. Um, you can do as little as a buck a month, man. It just helps put beer in the fridge or five bucks. You can get some stickers and uh in a letter, get to see some extra content. For example, just yesterday, I posted up a ride in uh, Pennsylvania that I did, went badly. Broke a helmet, messed myself all up, but hey, that's the stuff that you get to see on Patreon. And um, that one actually might not even go to a regular video. So there's a bunch of extra content on there if you want, if you want to be in that club. But like I said, the bottom line is you really help out, support the channel. Um, Oddly enough, running a podcast and a YouTube channel is a little more expensive than I thought. So it really helps. And uh, then you guys get to see the products and stuff like that. So really appreciate all the support, all of you out there. Really means a lot. Uh, those of you guys that want something for free, you can keep watching this here. Hit the thumbs up if, if you're on YouTube. Subscribe if you're there. Otherwise, Facebook and Instagram, there's a bunch of free content over there. You can do that. I do have a TikTok, but I very seldomly do that. So I need to get to TikToking, huh? Anyways, enough of all of that. We'll go ahead and bring Dylan on here and uh, we'll get back to the, We'll get to the show. How's it going, man? Yo, going great, man. How about yourself? Dude, I'm living the dream, right? That's <laughs> all you can do. Right. So um, Dylan, just before we get started, um, I wanted to, I asked you this right before the show. It's mm -hmm. common saw, right? Correct. Yeah. Commensal, common saw. As long as you get that second C soft, you're good. Good, good to, go. to go there. So that, that'll, that'll solve it for a bunch of you guys out there arguing with your friends. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll know how to say it correctly. Our <laughs> most asked question, we get that literally every single day. So we get people calling into the office and they're just like, I don't need anything except to uh, know how to pronounce the, the brain. <laughs> right. So, perfect. They got like a $20 bill laying on the table just to full on bet with their buddy. They're like, I know I'm right. No, <laughs> it, it has happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. That's hilarious. Where where are you guys based out of? Where our US office is in Golden, Colorado, right? Right in the foothills. So we got the trails literally right, right out of the office door and straight to the trailhead. So it's not a bad thing to be. Yeah. I may be doing a Colorado trip here soon. That uh, I haven't ridden there yet. Everything I see online just looks super sick though. Oh, it's so good. And we've been getting dumped on with rain these past few days. And like the soil here, the more rain that falls, just the better the soil gets. It's kind of real, real shaly, kind of a sandy kind of a soil. And uh -huh. it's just, yeah, the more moisture, the better. So isn't yeah. there like two sides to, to Colorado? Like people are like, oh, the front range or something like that. It's like one's mm -hmm. like a little more deserty. And then the other one's more kind of like Tahoe, I guess you could say. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of the, like, yeah, kind of Denver, which goes into the front range. Like we're just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. And then oh, okay. you get obviously like the, the Rockies, the range, and then you kind of have the Western slope, which starts basically kind of at Grand Junction area, uh -huh. Grand Junction, Fruta's out that way. Um, so yeah, definitely different riding no matter where, wherever you're going at. Yeah. yeah. No matter where so you're that's going. More, that's more like the high desert kind of stuff over there then. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. So, 
Yeah, yeah dude, I'm super going. stoked to go over there. Everything looks just like super fun. And, no wow. complaints. No complaints. Right. Is that where you're from all your life? or? No, I'm originally from Texas. Um, Amarillo, just like six hours down the road from Denver. A lot of, when I say Texas, everyone kind of thinks more like South Texas, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Amarillo, it's up in the panhandle, the flattest, windiest part you could uh, ever live in. And so yeah. I made the move here back in 2010, then uh, day after graduation of high school, moved here to Yeah. So, so were you into mountain biking then? I was, yeah. So I grew up racing moto uh, just from my dad, my um, uncles, cousins, brother, everyone raced. So I grew up racing moto and BMX and then got into dirt jumping, bought a specialized P2 little dirt jumper and then yeah. started riding that actually at Angel Fire Bike Park. That's the closest bike park we have. It's about three yeah, and a half, yeah. four hours away and just getting bounced around everywhere on a freaking hardtail at Angel Fire. If you ever an Angel Fire, like you're probably like, holy crap. But um, yeah, <laughs> loved it and just, yeah, kept going and started racing a little bit in the Mountain State Cups and made the move Next out thing here. You know, so. you find yourself. So are you, you're, you're a sponsored rider as well. So what's, what's yes. that entail? Um, I mean, with that, it's kind of now where I'm at kind of with my career, it's a good mix of kind of racing media as well as working as well. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, I ra race for, for a long time. And, um, now my, my goal with racing was always kind of to put myself in a position to where I could have a good position in the bike industry racing mm -hmm. doesn't last forever and like yeah. and i was like, like national rider i mean they got a lot of you know uh, podiums at, at grts and nationals and that and good in juniors but mm -hmm. things uh things happen and things align a certain way and yeah and here i am so but yeah it's a really good mix of being kind of more on the ambassador side with mm -hmm. uh, certain brands that i'm you know that i'm with currently from you know continental pmw olens i9 you know a few other brands outside of just common sauce so it's a really good balance yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have a a friend Andrew Taylor AT that oh, yeah. um, he does kind of like that where it's like you're like what do you actually do, man? <laughs> <laughs> I get that question a lot. I actually used to coach with AT at a Camp of Champions in Whistler. Like, oh right on, man. He's a super cool guy, man. Super cool guy. Yeah, AT's huh? sick. He's a really good dude. Yeah, yeah. So where is Common Saul from originally? Because you said earlier USA office, and I know out here in the northern california i don't see a whole lot of those bikes around here mm -hmm. but they're definitely starting to like sprinkle in more and more yeah, yeah definitely so the the main hq is in andorra so mm -hmm. i honestly i had no idea where andorra was or even what andorra was until i started working for um and riding for the brand mm -hmm. uh yeah, tiny little country in between spain and france it's about two hours from barcelona and so that's where the main office is, uh, engineers, uh, most of our like media marketing team is there, accounting, everything. And so then, this is a brand that started in Europe, basically got big there. And then how long have they been in the U.S. now? Right now, the so it was in Carlsbad, California, and then moved mm -hmm. over here to Colorado in 2018. And they were in Carlsbad for about two, three years. Mm -hmm. um, so still pretty new into the, right, like, the right. USA side and we have our hub here and then over in Squamish as well. We have a Canadian office. Oh, right um, yeah. So being direct to consumer, being able to have our offices and marketing department and, you know, small office that we need in each kind of country that we work with, mm -hmm. uh, makes things a lot easier as far as distribution and working with athletes and races and, you know, mm -hmm. engaging in that, the local areas. So, so were they direct to consumer in Europe as well when they started or? 
Yes. Yeah, so it hasn't been direct for uh, forever. It kind of started with, you know, they were selling a few, uh, you know, online retailers, this and that few shops, and mm-hmm. then went full direct to consumer, uh, you know, quite a few years ago. And, and, and it's worked well, you know, we're starting to work with more B2B partners, as well as, you know, bike parks, certain mm-hmm. hubs that we get people a demo fleet, certain shops, you know, it's just so people can, you know, get on the bike in their area again, because we aren't, like another brand that's selling through all the other shops that people can just go test their sizing, see the bike, they physically can touch it. So we've really been pushing hard on the B2B side and again, and bike parks and demos and everything, getting people on the bikes. Yeah, definitely. That's key. That That is one of the downsides to the, the, the direct stuff. It's like, you have yeah. to be able to like either have some kind of like online community where you're like other people that purchase your bikes are willing to show people or, you know, it's just like, that's the one one part where it's like, but I mean, honestly, even with a, like a regular bike shop, not many of them will have demos. You, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, you can try to ride this, but it's basically going to be yours. You know? Yeah, and you can get, get on it and ride around the parking lot or something like that. And, yeah. and that's one reason why we put um, so much effort into our media team, like our full in-house media, media guys, we're... Honestly, it's some of the best in the world and having the opportunity to work with them and learn from them because, again, marketing a brand that people can't physically see right yeah. in front of them is, you know, we have to make it a way that gets them excited to buy the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, yeah, one reason why we put, yeah, a really big emphasis on our media that we do can, you know, consistently too. So, yeah, 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 totally. So are you guys going to be doing more of the kind of the the um, the event scene where it's like, I know we were just at Sea Otter. You guys didn't have have a booth there, but like kind of like the Sedona Mount or the Bentonville kind of stuff. Or yep, yeah. So we'll we'll be in Bentonville there in a couple of weeks, oh, and right. we're really picking. So we did have a full like demo tour that we were doing, you know, years ago, all throughout the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, mm-hmm. kind of everything, and really kind of where we were seeing the benefit. Um, the certain areas we went was specific, like big event expos that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people there that are passionate about the brand. Because honestly, if you go do a demo, just at a bike park, then most of the time you'll just get people there on vacation that has no idea what they're doing. And they, they're just looking for a free bike to ride for the day. They don't buy one. They could care less what brand it is. So working with events like, uh, like, you know, we were at Sedona earlier this year, you know, that people actually pay to come demo bikes. That's what's on the market. Same with, like I said, we'll be in Bentonville and with our event crew is at Fruta. Um, Today's the first day of that. So they're out there uh, doing that demo fest. So um, yeah, kind of selecting select few spots. Did you go to Sedona this year? I did. Yeah. It was a little white. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I was like, yeah, I didn't realize you're in in Sedona. And then I thought to myself, well, I think I was at the event for like an hour. I mean, other than that, we were out of town the whole time trying to ride somewhere else. Yeah. We, yeah, we ended up, I know a bunch of people were going over to Phoenix and we were going to like the next town over and like, I'm not gonna lie. It was really pretty there with all like the snow. I've never seen Sedona like that before. So that was cool. But, um, but even even there, as far as just having the bikes there, the people were stoked to see them. We were letting them ride around the parking lot and testing sizing and just seeing yeah. how how the bike feels, especially the new Tempo that we just released this year. Um, mm-hmm. People are really stoked on that and to see it in person. They were they were hyped on. So if I remember correctly, that's your it's like a shorter travel bike, right? Correct. Yeah, it's a uh, 125 mils in the rear, 140 up front. Uh, yeah, so, all new design that we yeah came up with. There. So is that that's a brand new brand new model? 
Yeah. So it's the, yeah. So the tempo again, short travel trail bike, uh, the VCS system, which is virtual contact system. Um, and yeah, guy, our engineer has been working on that bike for, for a good amount of time now. And, um, yeah, we were stoked to release it. Uh, a lot of people were stoked on the video that, uh, Fricks did over there in Kamloops and all sorts of places. So, um, yeah, we're stoked on it. People have been really excited to get on it and, um, yeah, all the feedback we've been getting, like I said, is really good. And so, yeah, nothing but good things. Yeah, I remember when I saw that drop. I got a thing for white bikes, man. And you guys, the the, the original <laughs> okay. media photos have that that white frame, and it yeah. just pops so good. It does, it does. Yeah, you do the right build kit on it, and a few you know a few blingy parts here and there, and yeah, it's just clean. Looks really good. Yeah, so. yeah, super good. So, um, one of the things that you guys do that's a little bit different than than everybody out there is you are all aluminum, right? Yep, no carbon. So is there a particular reason for that or? So it did carbon a long time ago. And mm -hmm. um, just from the sustainability part to, as well as, you know, Max Commonsall, where the name Commonsall comes from. He, I mean, he visits um, all the manufacturing plants constantly. And he, he's very big on, you know, a sustainable product as well as from, again, what's... Uh, how manufacturings do their process of making frames and carbon mm -hmm. fiber is not the most, you know, not the best for the environment and everything like that. So that was one mm -hmm. reason why he stuck with aluminum and just mm -hmm. the longevity of the frames, man, like you can just pound and outlaps on an aluminum frame and it's going to last you. Like, mm -hmm. yes. I mean, everything breaks, carbon fiber bikes break, aluminum bikes break, everything breaks, yeah. but it's nothing that's, you know, most of the time catastrophic, except for obviously like an extreme yeah yeah again things happen but um but yeah and it just as far as a cost as well manufacturing aluminum frames is much more cost effective than uh, than carbon and being able to put out products and test products much quicker and easier with aluminum literally our shop in andorra they get the you know the first prototype frame in there they want to change something literally they go into the shop right there they cut the piece off they weld on another one they're back out on you know testing within that same day which is you can't mm -hmm. really do that with carbon much so yeah that's kind of the, the main points why we're sticking with aluminum and we'll see maybe one day we'll start venturing a little bit more into the carbon fiber yeah. world. but for now I, I don't you know i think aluminum has its place i mean it's not like it's a bad material i mean we've been making bikes out of it for a long time i think that for sure. um maybe very successful marketing over the last you know 10 years or whatnot people tend to attribute like oh if it's good it's carbon and um you're starting to see uh, other brands as well i mean like that are that are also not running carbon frames or you know yep. very limited on on their models and i think that um <coughs> there's a lot of benefits to it and i think it's it's one of those things that that initially you know super trendy to to make sure you had a carbon frame and then later it's like well let's do what we think is right for you know us as a business and our customers mm -hmm. and whatnot and so yeah. I, I um and a lot of people come at us with you know aluminum is heavier all the you know the weight snobs out there but it's like mm -hmm. we're a gravity oriented company we aren't looking to set a pr on a climb we're looking to have the most you know have a hell of a time going downhill and even on like my my xl tempo fully built aluminum wheels everything's right at 34 pounds 
Yeah, I mean, that's just so as much as mine. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's not, it's in the grand scheme of things, like, you can start running, you know, start, um, you know, carbon wheels, carbon cranks, carbon bars. Like, if, again, if you really want to start getting weight down and start counting the grams, but honestly, like a little bit of extra weight going downhill, it helps in a lot of ways yeah. uh, with the handling yeah. of the bike, the, um, the dampening of the bike, too. And so, I, I, I personally like the feel of a, of an aluminum bike, even before common saw I was, I was riding for a carbon company at the time, but I just still prefer the feel of a, an aluminum frame. What, what is it that you prefer? Just like, like how it dampens a little bit or exactly. Yeah. It's not, not as rigid. Uh -huh. uh, it's just like going back and forth between like carbon rims and aluminum, you know, there there's pros and cons to both, but mm -hmm. you know, just having that little bit more of uh flex on them is mm -hmm. really nice. And again, on a, um, you know, on a, as rough as tracks are getting and race tracks are getting, you know, being able to find yeah. that little fine tune point is good. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, you met me at, at Sea Otter. I'm a pretty big dude. So for me, I, I, I would, I really leaned into carbon because it being so much stiffer for me at my size is probably has a little bit more flex in it. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, yeah, sure. but, but, um, I will say that there's a point where it's too much, like, like mm -hmm. I had a, a carbon hardtail and I, I just didn't, I, I didn't like it. It was too stiff where I went back, I sold it. And then like a year later, it was like, I'm buying another aluminum one. Cause that was so fun to ride. And yeah. that just that feeling of the bike, just, it felt so much better where it was like one of those moments, you know, in your life where you're like, okay, there, there's definitely like, it's not like this one thing is the best, you know what I mean? Yeah. No. And there, there's so many good products out on the, the market now. Like you honestly, you can't go out and buy a bad bike. Yeah. Even yeah, if it's really a tough. new brand coming onto the, the line, you know, trying to compete with a lot of the top dogs, it's like, it's still going to be most likely a good solid bike. It may not be your exact feel that you're looking for, but it, but it's a good quality bicycle. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell people that from. all the time. It's like, even if you're a new rider getting in, it's it used to be able to tell people like, yeah, go buy a used bike. It's going to be, you know, cheaper and so much better, you know, and it'll be the same, yeah. you know, you, and now it's like, man, if you're buying a bike that the geometry is like two, three years old, like it's, it's such a different riding experience. So mm -hmm. I've, I've definitely pivoted to be like, just buy a brand new bike and, you know, get what you can afford and you'll still yeah. have, you'll have a good time, you know? Yeah, for sure. And like, and we offer like all of our demo bikes at the end of the year, we like, we uh, have a big section on our website, the secondhand bikes. And those mm -hmm. are all our demos that we had the, you know, for that year, you can get a hell of a bike. Yeah. It's used that season on demos, but I mean, it's completely rebuilt, ready to go. You know, if anything needs yeah. to be changed, we change it and you get technically a used bike, but it's, you know, with us for a little bit discounted rate and you still get a modern day bike that you could go, obviously you can get one brand new, but yeah. So as far as used bike skill, it's like, you know, we offer and that, that. That would still cover, like have like the full warranty from, from you guys then at that yep. point too. Yeah. That's yep. awesome. Full warranty, I mean, everything. Yeah. One of my buddies picked up uh, a frame from you guys that way. It was like, Oh, nice. You know, it was like, I think it said it was scratched or something. He's like, I don't know, man, there was a couple spots <laughs> here. Or he's like, I can't really tell. And it's like, you know, two days later, he's throwing it down the side of some hill. It's like, well, Guess it doesn't matter. You exactly. Know? Your first ride out or the first time you put it on a freaking bike rack or shoulder. Right. 90% of the scratches on my bikes, I swear, come from transportation. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely I mean, if you do a lot of shoveling too, man. Yeah. No, definitely. So 
And they're all usually, you know, ride wrapped and everything. So we try to keep them as clean as we can, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I think the pricing is, is really good. I and mean, when I was looking at the Meta SX, your frame is right around, if I think, remember correctly, it's 1900 bucks. Right around there. And I mean, if you're looking at a brand new, let's just say Nomad, that thing's like four grand. I mean, that's, that's twice the price. Crazy, right? Yeah. And yeah, again, so. kind of going back to the, the aluminum versus carbon, it's, it's so much more cost-effective running aluminum. And you still yeah. get the quality that you want there, you know? So, yeah. And I think that, um, I don't know where it came from. It probably came from like original mountain bikers were roadies, you know, and, or some mm -hmm. of them were, and, and it was like this, like having a light bike was always the most important, maybe, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, yeah. it's not really the case anymore. And, and like you were saying, like, especially with the gravity, you know, kind of, kind of brand or or like most people that are riding mountain bike i would and i'm going to generalize you know anybody in the comments you can go ahead and fire me up but like most people are riding for the down like there's not like the the group of like super xc like stoked to climb guys is way smaller than it was like say in the 90s when i first started riding like yeah. that group was super high and they're like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to walk up this hill and go down. That group was small. You, you know what I mean? And, and now it's, I would say it's like totally, totally the other way around where um, the majority of people are like, man, I don't, I don't need to do this climb. You know? Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. No one needs to have no big dick energy out there trying to get top right, right. and yelling Strava, you know, it's like, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, like, like some of the bikes, even at let's just say 38 pounds or something like that, the way that they ride, it just doesn't feel like a 38 pound bike from like 2005 or something like that. No, or not at all. You, you, you wouldn't, if you were pedaling that bike around and somebody asked you how much it weighed, you would guess low thirties just because the way it feels, it's just so, mm -hmm. so uh, different. Yeah, definitely. Like I, my first comments all I had in 2018 it was right around is like meta meta am before like the, the old design mm -hmm. and uh, it was right around like 39 and a half pounds again mm -hmm. for x i mean i'm 63 pretty tall dude and mm -hmm. uh but i pedaled that thing ever i go on 50 plus mile rides with it i climb with anyone on it but it didn't feel the weight is put in the right places for mm -hmm. the performance of it, and you don't feel that really i mean obviously if you're going Again, if you are that guy that's trying to go uphill as fast as you possibly can, obviously in the cross country world and everything like that, well, it does matter. But yeah, for the general buyer out there, it's just like get get you a good bike that gets to the top, you know, good. And then again, we like having yeah. fun downhill. So yeah, yeah. Uh, last year, on. last year I actually just put a video out on this. Um, my friends and I we climbed Downeyville, which is normally like a forty five minute shuttle ride, you know. Yeah, and uh, my one buddy that was riding with me, he was on the SX, the Meta SX, and we climbed like five thousand feet that day. He was still yeah. beating me up the hill. I mean, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> like. I yeah. mean, and I mean, it's obviously if we're doing that kind of climb, it's not like we're out of shape, but it's still like it climbs fine for what we are like. Like most people are like in their their friend group. Nobody's trying to like. I don't know. Nobody's trying to, to, like you said, PR the climb. Everybody's like, let's just have fun, get up this hill and 
do what yeah. the really fun part is, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we, I mean, even here in Golden, like we have, um, you know, a bunch of women that buy our bikes too. And like they've, and, and people will demo them, guys and girls go out and ride, you know, turn on their Strava and they come back to return the demo. And they're like, dude, I just set the fastest times I ever have on my person than I did on my personal bike going up and down. Oh, wow. And you're like, yeah, well, there you go. Kind of the, you know, the data proves itself right there. So, so you guys, uh, like you said, you've only been in the U S for a couple of years. How long has the brand been around in, in Europe? Uh, so Max started the company back in 2000. Okay. So, so yeah, so, the first year, first year of the company there. Right on. So 23 yeah. years. And so, I mean, it's not like you just started yesterday and what no. is he the lead engineer or, um, how, no. how did that come about? So, I mean, he's been a part of the, like the downhill racing scene since shoot almost the beginning. And he was mm -hmm. with, um, Sun S U N N, um, mm -hmm. you know, back in the nineties, he was a big, uh, part of Sun, And then, you know, working with guys of even, you know, Nicholas Vuglio and a lot of the, you know, the top French downhillers of the day, Cedric Grassi even. And then he wanted to separate from them. And that's why he started comments on 2000 and with downhill in mind, you know, that's where his heart and soul is, is downhill. And he has, you know, full team, you know, even then of people that he wanted to bring on with the brand that he trusted and mm -hmm. to start making the brand. Obviously, if you name a brand after your own name, then you know, it's putting a lot of pressure yeah. on yourself and right. uh, I respect the guy a lot for that. It's pretty crazy. And, um, yeah. and yeah, the, yeah, so he's not necessarily on the engineer side of it. We have, like I said, we have our full engineer team doing that. Yeah. Um, but he is heavily involved with pretty much everything on the brand from, again, from the engineering side to the media side, the communications, yeah. the partnership, everything. Yeah. He's still the, the top dog in it and loves to be a part of everything that the brand is doing. So, it's cool yeah. to be again affiliated with a company that you can literally I could have this conversation I'm having with you with him. Just hit him up, FaceTime, yeah. talk with the guy, get a few things done, and all right, cool. See you later, man. Like with right. a lot of brands, you can't really do that with the owners. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very heavily involved with the industry. That's cool, man. And then um at least he had a, a cool last name, like my last name Schumacher. I think it would be like a shitty book. <laughs> <laughs> wow, right. Yeah, Everybody so. be butchering that one even worse than common saw, right? <laughs> I know, right? It's pretty funny. Everyone thought me, uh, I like snowboarded for a long time, raced border cross and stuff. Never thought that my last name, Lamar, was with Lamar Snowboards. Uh -huh. And uh, for the for, like, for the longest time, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> nice, nice. So that um, that engineering that that they do. Is that just from like their personal preferences or is, I mean, you guys work pr probably pretty heavily with your, your pro team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the common saw muckoff team is kind of our, our main number one team. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with Omri, uh, Tebow, Miriam, all them. So that's our, and a few of our guys are, um, that work directly under the brand work with that team. So mm -hmm. it's owned by Tebow and Gaetan uh, Rufian, but the, you know, two of the mechanics basically that work, sorry, screen's going off, um, that work under comments all on the kind of the suspension development that works for Muckoff, because that works for us as well, um, is a guy, Arthur Quake, who is an absolute wizard with a bike man. Like he's a huge, huge part of that team's success. Honestly, the company's success and how mm -hmm. the development of the V5 He's kind of one of those guys or NV4 that he like as soon as he kind of starts talking, you're just kind of like you just shut up and you're like, all right, cool, let's 
Just yeah. This here already has like the same. It's literally like try to soak everything in, and it makes you feel like you know nothing about a vibe when you start talking to him. You're like, dude, this is. It's like talking to a mad scientist or something. It's crazy. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, um, I, I, go ahead. So it's yeah. So that's cool. So yeah. So the the Mukoff team, like I said, uh, pretty much works on a lot of the the first generation, the the prototypes, the development of it. Any little changes that um, you know we want to do with the bike, they're kind of the number one go to team for that. And then working with them, with you know uh, the Dorval team, and then the other teams that we have, kind of starts coming down the line a little bit of once they test it and they know it works, article, right, cool. we're going to spread it throughout the other teams, get the other riders point of views on it. Then mm-hmm. after, after all the teams give their, their input, everything style is exactly how they want to then kind of starts going down the line for working on the production frame. Cause a lot of those frames, like it's literally just like pieces welded to it. They'll get a piece of metal, weld it to the rear linkage. I see how this worked, moving the idler, all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of, development that goes into like the v5 first started in 2019 so just so people that um aren't familiar with the brand he's talking about their downhill bike right now ah yes yeah the supreme d uh v5 downhill bike so um yeah so that started back in basically 2019 with the first uh first mock-ups i remember seeing those at sea otter our guys flew Mm -hmm. over and showing us all at the house and we were all just drooling like you know of what of what's to come you know yeah yeah they put a lot of a lot of time and effort into it to say the least so what was, I mean, the, the tempo, for example, that's more mm-hmm. of like, would you say like down country or is it XC or. I, to be honest, like a lot of people use those like down country terms and all this. I, yeah. I just say trail bike. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I say it is trail bike. Trail bike. Yeah. Cause like, honestly, I ride that on everything that I was riding my like enduro bike on like 140, 150, like 160 travel bike. Mm-hmm. And it it handles it with the way that suspension design is handled. Like it is in the reality of it, 125 millimeters, but it feels like you have so much more than you have. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah. What's, so the that, front, what's the front have on it? 140. So 140, 120. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's a lot like my tall boy that I had. And honestly, yeah, similar. I yeah. did the same thing as you. When I got that bike at first, I was like, oh, this is my, like my, my mellow bike, you know? And then yeah, of yeah. Course, what, did I, what did we all do immediately? We're like, I'm going to keep pushing the limits. For and, sure. uh, yeah. you know, honestly, that I felt like with the exception with a, of a trail where it was just a lot of like chatter, like high speed chatter, something like, um, like Downingville example would be a good example. Like a trail like that after, you know, an hour and a half of that or whatever, you like, you could feel it more in your body, but it wasn't like the bike was not handling all, all the terrain. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. The bike is, doesn't seem overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. It's still handling things just fine. It just doesn't handle it. I would say as to the potential of a little bit more travel bike. Yeah. Yeah, I think that a little bit like like the way I always think about it is like the little more travel just like eats up mistakes and just like makes you not feel so beat up at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, kind of helps you out on those oh shit moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You got to be a little bit more precise, a little, a little shorter travel. So yeah, yeah. But they're so much fun, and I think that we went through this big curve of everybody being overbiked, and you'd see these guys that are like living in super flat Florida buying a mega tower, and you're like dude, you don't need that much bike, you yeah. know? And, and I think for me, cause I've been riding for so long, it, it, it was like, dude, you guys are way over biked. And now you're starting to see that pendulum swing 
yeah. people are, are realizing, hey, I can get something that pedals a lot more efficient and I'm still being able to hit my old chunky stuff and maybe even faster now because sure. you just can you can just pedal so much more like efficiently, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that was kind of the thought of this bike as well. It's, you know, it's the shortest travel bike that we've ever made, but it's just like you said, like the, the whole mindset of you need, I need more travel. I need more travel. And with that, yeah, that's a lot more bike to get top of the hill and you're going to be struggling mm -hmm. much more, but in the reality of it, you can get away, you know, less is more with, with this frame. Yeah. Um, yeah, and with the design of it, again, it feels like you have so much more than you have, but the way the geometry is, it climbs very well, gets you the top quick, easy, efficiently, and you, you know, and, and it's a comfortable bike to go spin all day on. Yeah. Especially here in Colorado. Like we have some rides that are, I mean, they're, they're long, big days on the bike. So you want something that's going to be comfortable for all those miles, you know, elevation mm -hmm. that you're climbing. And so you're not just going to be killing yourself every time you're going uphill, but again, something that's going to perform well on all the downhills, all the uphills, mm -hmm. just a good overall bike. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you guys use the same like pro team for developing that as well or? Um, they, they wrote it a lot, but our, so our EWS team, um, mm -hmm. so they're in a lot of the development of that. So we have, I mean, there's been stuff all over internet as well about the V5 meta. So it's mm -hmm. the longer travel version of the tempo. And that's mm -hmm. what they raced all last year, um, starting to develop. Uh, the V5, so it's a longer travel, so it's going to be 150, 150, mm -hmm. 160, uh, 170. So that's going to be getting kind of getting more into that enduro travel size. Mm -hmm. And they were a huge part of the development of the um, of the tempo as well as this new new V5 yeah. coming out. So as kind of on the downhill side, the comments on Mukov team is with. Then again, we have our EWS team that works the the same way with the a lot of the, the same engineers, suspension. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that the the thing with the shorter travel is that in the past, all the shorter travel bikes were like, oh, that's an XC bike. And they would use that geometry. And I don't know who the first yeah. company was that finally was like, hey, let's use this like slacker stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's the real difference was like the reason that people wouldn't get that under, like, let's just say it, they under, they wouldn't underbike would be like, just because you didn't have that that slacker head tube angle where where once you started getting rowdy it, you could still like feel really confident with the bike you yeah, know definitely. and, and exactly. i think that's really what the big change is there that's awesome to have those like options now like even even a hardtail nowadays with that slacker geometry you're like how is this like how am i pinning this trail like this on a hardtail you know yeah. Exactly. Yeah. With, if you, you know, hardtail, you make the geometry, right. That thing will eat up anything, you know? And again, it's not going to do it as well as a full suspension. It's like as short travel, it's not going to do it as good as a longer travel, but mm -hmm. it still gets you through it good efficiently. And this kind of makes you ride in a little bit different way, a little less uh point and shoot and plow than, you know, being a little yeah. bit more precise, hitting your lines a little bit more. So I think it makes yourself a better rider riding yeah. a shorter travel bike. I'm, you know, heavier, steeper, gnarlier terrain. Cause then yeah, when yeah, you definitely. get on your big bike, you're like, Oh dude, this is, I can go twice as fast that I'll yeah. use to go to on this bike on this trail. So. Yeah. And I think like, it's also for those people out there that have been riding for a long time, you know, going out and picking up a hardtail and ride, it, it, it makes all your trails new again, 
because yeah, for sure. you won't take the same lines. I mean, you, you might try, but sometimes you're going to be like, no, that's not as fast to like just smash through all those rocks. And you'll mm -hmm. figure out like, wow, even like not straight lining that section, I'm still like, like pacing at like my PR for this segment is still the same because then in the spots where you can like lay down the heat, like the power, yeah. you make up for it there, you know? And so it's just really interesting. And it makes like, like I said, makes your trail system brand new again. So if you're feeling like you're getting tired of, of riding your, your trail system, like maybe you need a bike with less travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. So even, I mean, yeah. even here in Colorado, we have so many trails here and um and yeah just like you said shorter travel bikes it just makes you ride different it makes that super mellow trail that you've already dominated hit everything you usually normally would on like a little bit more exciting so yeah yeah so i mean you guys have everything from from little push bikes as well like yeah yeah from yeah basically 12 inch ramones little push bike we have that in 12 and 14 inch and then goes all the way up so no matter how old you are or you know what bike you're looking for we got it so and that's kind of so, a I mean, whole thing you but. guys have like fully decked out like full suspension bikes that are are this is a 24 inch wheels yeah it looks like it 20 20 even 20 inch wheels yep yeah class 20 24 then we have uh you know the junior a full 26 which is kind of bringing <laughs> back that a little bit kind of bridging that gap between what mm -hmm. it, you had the 24 then the junior which was 24 inch and then up to a 27.5 um and now we have the clash extra small which is kind of uh it's a mullet with 27 5 26 mm -hmm. so a little bit a little bit different and um yeah i mean kids love them man like parents are stoked on them because it develops their skills so much quicker and a lot wow. of the parents can bring their kids on a lot of the same trails that they're going on and now a lot yeah. of them getting on these full suspension bikes and overtaking mom and dad so it's pretty cool yeah it's crazy watching i mean honestly like like some people i would say people that aren't riders like they they would be like man you're gonna spend like 1500 bucks on a kid's bike and it i think that um it really does make such a huge difference to what their their ability can be mm -hmm. and you know if it's something that you really enjoy i think there's you know you could spend 1500 bucks on video games pretty easy too <laughs> you know what i mean they just get you at like 40 bucks a pop or whatever i don't even know how much a video game costs anymore. <laughs> i'm not a video game i can tell you yeah I mean, <laughs> but yeah. like you know what i mean like it, it it's like uh i think it really makes a big difference for for children to be able to have like a fully functional bike nowadays mm -hmm. compared to you know in the past basically you couldn't ride a good bike until you were big enough to fit on like a 26 inch wheel you know exactly yeah so, yeah and depending on these trails that these parents are wanting to take their kids on again, like, uh, like say a bike park specifically, it's like, you know, you can take a kid to Trestle. Trestle's a pretty mellow mountain, but has a little bit of everything. And then mm -hmm. you know, so you, so you can get away with pretty much riding anything there, but then you get, take your kid again, like to angel fire bike park. That place is rough as hell, dude. And like, yeah, you aren't going to be, you know, flatting your tires every 10 feet on the rocks or breaking a derailleur yeah. this and that. So the quality that these kids bikes are made with now, and even in the suspension, like, it's properly tuned suspension for their, for their weight for kids right. under hundred pounds, right around hundred pounds, you know, but lower it's like, yeah. no, they can get a properly working bike that they can again, learn on, develop on. And a lot of families that have numerous kids, they'll buy the oldest son or, or girl, this one. And then it just 
falls down the line to the yeah. you know, brother or sister and just keeps going and they sell it for, you know, make some money to the, the neighbor down the street. They're stoked. And yeah. So it works out. Yeah. Yeah. Those kids bikes, they, they tend to hold their value pretty, pretty well. Yeah. I mean, compared to yeah, comparatively, yeah. you know, and I hold think more that, than yeah, yeah. And, um, shoot, what was I just going to say? Oh, the other thing too, is like, it's really good that they get the ability to start learning on a real shifter on a real dropper like you, you know what i mean like and mm -hmm. and learning all that that muscle memory and how to how to do all those things at once compared to you know some bikes in the past where it's like oh these are just grip shifts and there's no dropper and and it's it, so by the time they're getting to that age where like more adolescence where their skill set really just starts like really ramping up they're yeah. not having to learn that stuff too where it, they've learned you know so much so much of that like basics that that is it's kind of like things that you you would take for granted as a rider you, you know what i mean yeah yeah no definitely and it becomes second nature to him yeah um and even from uh like from a racing standpoint it's you know once you're into the world cup so you have your two years of junior when you're 16 17 and 17 18 it's like you need to be have all these skills honed in pretty much by the time you're like 12 13 years old and yeah. then you start the the racing development stage from then until you're 16. And that's even like part of my job. That's part of my job is finding these kids that are around that age that we can start working with. We sign and we start helping develop them. So by the time they're first year junior on the World Cup stage, like they're they're put into a, it's a familiar world for them. Obviously, it's the world stage and it's a bit different, but we're trying to you know get get them over to Europe earlier mm -hmm. and get them training on faster, steeper, uh, more gnarlier terrain and working with our teams. And so once, you know, say like a, you know, Thibaut Prella or anyone like that, that comes out and, you know, with us in the junior comes out swinging mm -hmm. and then develop that into the, uh, the big stage. And that's one thing that I work with, with, uh, with Austin Dooley. And I started mm -hmm. working with Austin. Uh, we're going on four years now that him and I yeah. have been working together and now, you know, he's having, you know, good success on the world cup stage and still with us. And, uh, so it's cool to see that. And again, and yeah, crazy you know, how young, like the whole, how, how old are you? Uh, I'm 31. Okay. So quite a fair bit younger than me, but like, it's crazy how, how young the kids are, um, nowadays in like, like a 12, 13 year old kid that was getting into mountain bike when i i was young was like probably more like the normal age and you're yeah. starting to see so much more like i have a friend of mine his buddy or his son is is like six and he's out there putting in like 10 mile rides at six years old like it's crazy yeah. you know what i mean like it's nuts like, man yeah yeah, yeah. that little kid has like no fear so it's like you just think about him by the time he's going to be 16 it, it, it's just going to be just in, insane like where his skill set's gonna be you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah no it's it's cool man it's like nervous in a way to see what how fast and good young kids are right now mm -hmm. and then and even the generation below them it's just gonna keep growing and growing every year and um and even me at 31 like i feel like such an old dog now and but like yeah. but then the reality of it it's like i'm really not but yeah. like talking to these kids and they're saying all these like slogans, everything off TikTok and whatever that I have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. I'm like, dude, I'm so old right now, like traveling around with all you little groms. 
Oh man, believe me, my daughter is in college right now, and it's like some of the shit she says. I'm like, really? I'm like, now I know what it felt like to be the appearance yeah. when I was like that age. Yeah, right. She's like, oh yeah, don't even know how to stuff they say. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I don't even know what the hell you're saying. Like, and I feel like I'm pretty in touch with like what's going on. I'm, I'm like a, I don't know. Feel like I'm a pretty like trendy person, you know. Like, and plus yeah. I work in IT, so usually like a lot of yeah. like you're you're a little bit like more up on like what the memes are the thing you know what i mean like like it, it's kind of like that industry you know you kind of mm -hmm. kind of catch that stuff a little earlier and uh yeah, yeah. now i'm like oh, i'm starting i guess i'm falling behind this is, what, this is how it happens off, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> right so you mentioned uh mullet earlier um yeah. is that something that you guys do on all of your frames or just certain ones uh just certain ones so the i was like the v5 the new v5 is mullet we did have like only the xl was 29.29 but now mm -hmm. this year all across the board is mullet and then we have you know the meta sx which is you know longer travel trail bike that it, that is mullet 29.275 um and then going into the the new clash uh extra small which is that mm. that mullet as well. So it's just something for, especially for the shorter riders, you know, getting a little bit smaller wheel in the back, a little bit lower standover height. Um, uh, and whenever you are on, you know, the steeper other terrain does help that front end sit up just a little bit more mm -hmm. um, for them. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been the trend over the past few years with mullet and everyone seems mm -hmm. to be trying it, this and that. It's it's For me, it's still kind of a personal preference with a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um i prefer the bigger bigger wheels 29 29 but again being 63 i have no issues getting off the back on on steeper terrain mm -hmm. but on certain tracks and certain terrain i see the you know the benefit of a mullet yeah um, yeah even on you know, again being a taller person so um i think it's definitely around you know it's it's here to stay for sure for, yeah. for a good while like, again for and I even, think it's the only thing that's going to keep 275 alive, honestly. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. The kids bikes and then the the mullet setups. Yeah. And um, it, and it, and and I say that I, I'm 62, so it's not like I'm a short guy, but I've definitely been yeah. one of those people that that has held out on the smaller wheel all along. Like even when 27 or when 29 like first came out. Was it 27.5 first? Was it like like a short moment of, of 650B and then they yeah. went 29? Yeah, yeah. No, and I remember when that first happened, I was like, I just liked how much more, like how I could like navigate a 26 better, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I tried a 29er and I just felt like it tanked everything. And I think that had to do with more of the geometry back then. It just wasn't yeah. that good. Like I felt like the, the bike would choose its line a little bit more than me. But then with the 27.5 I was like okay well I feel like I'm kind of getting the best of both worlds like I can get that like real twitchy movement that I need and some like slow tech or whatever but like yeah definitely still get that rollover and um it wasn't until just recently that that I that I've started to like really warm up to 29ers but I feel like it's because they they finally got like those chain stays like super short where you can it doesn't feel like so big that's the best way i can explain yeah. it and yeah, maybe no, that's, yeah yeah and they and everything's kind of coming back like we were just like going so big for a long time and now everything's kind of like all right i think we went a little too much and yeah. now it's kind of starting to get back a little bit because it was really starting to hindrance the performance of the bike yeah now the bike handled and um i was actually just having this conversation last night uh with my with my mom actually and we were talking about you know, racing back in the day, this and that. And a guy, Alex Morgan, who's from Amarillo, 
he was making his own downhill frames, BCD bikes, Buffalo Carbon Design, but he was making 29er downhill bikes. And this was like early 2000s. He was oh, running wow. XC tires. He was shaving off the crown of an old, like the old gray Fox 40. So he could mm-hmm. fit a 29er wheel in there. And this guy was like racing World Cups and holding hot seats at World Cups mm-hmm. on these uh, carbon bikes that he was making in his garage. And he was so yeah. far above his time. And he made full 29s, he made mullet setups, and he was just like running what he could find. Again, like cross country right. tires, like he couldn't find a downhill 29er tire back then. Right. So right. it's just like crazy that people were doing it back then, but everyone's just like, ah, no, no, it's not going to do it. Not going to do it. Now we look at modern day and downhill bikes and everything out there is 29 or 275 or, yeah. you know, the yeah. geometry of them. His bikes were getting, obviously they were still small compared to a modern day bike, but for back then they were huge. You know, right, really right. Long, you know, longer chain stays, longer top tubes, slacker head tube angles. Like, so yeah. people were doing it back then. They just weren't. They yeah, weren't I'm really, I'm, I'm really it. feeling like I'm leaning heavy into the mullet. So this, my next bike is is definitely going to be a mullet. I'm kind of playing around with a few different frames right now. I'm trying to figure out what I want to ride, and um, I, I, um, I, I feel like they've got that. that I feel like they got something pinned there, like at least for like what I personally like. I, you know, and um, like you said, I mean, it, it's a preference thing. It's not like this is the best, you know. It's it's really like what what are you into, man? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's just like suspension setups, man. Like you can find a good base setting for everyone, but then everyone's gonna start tuning it different ways. And like you go up on Amri's bike, like you can't ride that thing for thirty seconds. It's so stiff, or but it's yeah. built for him. Then you go ride, you know, someone else's bike, and you're like, oh, this actually feels good. So. That's the one thing where it's like people have to remember that their their recommendations like you are allowed to have an opinion that's different than the recommendation like for sure like I I run my fork way softer than what it should be for somebody my size and when I tell other guys my size they're like what you know and I'm like that's just the way I like it to feel man it's like that's it you know for sure yeah but people see like the the recommended settings, the trendy settings, stiffer, faster, this, that. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, stiffer in reality. But yeah, it is faster theoretically over stuff. But if you can't handle the bike and you can't, and you still aren't in tune with the bike, like there's no, it's not going to be faster for you. Yeah, so yeah. Even, you know, from tire pressures to wheels, even with us, yeah. like you run different spoke tensions on different riders' wheels from drive side, non-drive and getting a little bit more compliance out of the wheel to, you know, and when with the tire, because tire is the first thing that hit, you know, that is in between you and the ground, that mm-hmm. has to be very important. So from yeah, there, yeah. From the wheels to the suspension, to the frame, to everything. So, yeah. I want to touch back on that guy you were talking about, the BCD guy and how yeah. he was like, so out there. And it's funny because historically there's always somebody doing something like kind of crazy like that that everybody is just looking at like man what's wrong with this dude that ends up becoming the norm like you know in the 70s whenever these dudes were you know taking these these old bikes and smashing them down the hill and you know up in repack in fairfax california and that's like the beginning of mountain biking right and then yeah. you have this dude that's like, you know, building these carbon 29ers that are like way ahead of the time. And it makes you wonder, like, what is it right now? Like, is it that like super high reverse stem that like right now we're all like balking at and like 15 <laughs> yeah. years from now, that's going to be like, we're going to be like, dude, he was so on it. You know, yeah, <laughs> dude, who knows, man? Yeah. Like I said, just like how 
the kids are getting faster. The bikes are getting faster. Everything's developing so fast in the industry. And it's like where it's going to be in three, five, 10 years from now. It's just like, yeah. I have no idea. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's kind of a long for so the ride. How do you guys do the mullet on your bike? Is it just a flip chip or is it um, like a, some other piece? I don't know how else you would do it. But... So the, I mean, the, our bikes that are, come mullet they are the by the frame is designed around a mullet so um yeah from the the length uh sorry that yeah the links the rear end um chain stays wheel pad everything it's designed Mm -hmm. around a mullet wheel so like in the old v4 like you could fit a 29er in there but Mm -hmm. it completely changes how the bike's gonna ride Mm -hmm. so um yeah so all of our bikes they are designed around um a 27.5 wheel you know yeah on the v5 you know you have the flip trip on the lower shock belt, uh, you know, you know, front rear high, low, everything, even the, the, on the rear end has three different positions you can run on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, everything is designed around a mullet wheel. Mm-hmm. So, so then can, the same thing when you're in the enduro space, it, uh, like, uh, it's, it's one or the, I thought, cause isn't the SX, the meta SX, isn't that like 29 or. So no, that one is full mullet. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we have seen people put a 29 in there, but again, that, that frame itself is designed around a mullet wheel. And then the, the TR, which is, you know, the shorter travel 29 er version of that, there is subtle changes to that frame to where you still get the, uh, the riding performance that we're looking for, but with that. Mm-hmm. Wheel. So then you do have a flip chip though, in some of the frames that's just changing mm-hmm. what, uh, hiring and lowering the bottom bracket basically, then slacking the head too, but just slightly. Mm-hmm. So, and the new model, uh, metas, we have that, that flip chip on that rear shock bolt there. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to drop it down a little bit too. So yeah. can you explain what that does to the ride for people that aren't familiar? Yeah, for sure. So basically it's like, so take the TR, modern day TR, full 29, 140 in the rear, 160 or 150 up front, kind of depending on where you're at, what your riding style is. Um, yeah. So you just have that little chip that, uh, goes right through that rear shock bolt and you have a high and a low setting. And basically what that's changed, just the, the feel of the bike and, you know, having it again, it's kind of a personal preference. I always ran that at high. I like that. And with that, it sits you a little bit higher in the travel. It's a little less supple off the the top end. I run my bikes pretty stiff, Um, Mm -hmm. but fine tuning that with the shocks to still get that, you know, a small bump sensitivity there and then lowering it, you know, lowers the BB just slightly slackens the head to just a little bit. Um, so it, it, you know, it's very subtle chain, uh, differences that it makes to the bike, but it's just kind of one of those things, you know, we offer it and we, you know, say for people just to go out and try it, start playing with it, see mm-hmm. what works best for you. As well as like I said, in the V5, I mean, even on the bridge, um, on the rear end, on the seat stays, you can get different, um, stiffness bridges for whatever you are. So even if you're a short rider, the short or the small frame comes with a soft, but mm-hmm. if you're a heavier set um short guy you can get the small frame get a stiffer bridge in the rear so you still again get that stiffness in the rear end whenever you are for cornering and the feel mm-hmm. of the bike. so you just kind of start tuning it a little bit more to your riding style yeah yeah some some companies also will use a chip for like changing the seats or the, not the seat stay the chain stay lengths as well mm-hmm. do you guys do that or we we have yeah so um not too much you know that in you know nowadays we've kind of found that chain stay that we've again we've tested Mm-hmm. and that we feel is the best performing links for each bike mm-hmm. so but yeah we have we have done it and you know still thoughts of things that we play with and everything yeah 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 so. um 
I, I wasn't sure. Is there a reason that the you have a, a line that's called meta? Like, what's the? I will be completely honest with you, and I'm not for sure on that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that, I was that just wondering. I was like, does that mean something? Like some kind of yeah. like race thing or something like that? Or that's just I am that's not for sure. Yeah, the meta has right been on. in the line for for so long, even before I've been with the brand. I started started 2018. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, the name Meta. I don't know. I, I should know that. But I feel like I feel I'm like not. it's an acronym or something like that. You know what I mean? Be, I'm sure we could probably we just make one up. Somebody, but, somebody but there's like so many meta things going on too. Like meta, there's a magazine. And yeah. Facebook now has something with yeah. meta. It was Instagram, one of those two. Something like that. Yeah. I think that's what Facebook changed their like parent company to. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's something, man. I know we've gotten contacted about the name meta. I don't know exactly what's gone on with that, but we have gotten oh. contacted about the name meta and the development. Oh man, that would suck. Dude, they got hella lawyers too. You know, that's one of those oh, things where sure. they just like, they're like, we'll spend $3 million on this. We don't even care. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, have it, dude. <laughs> it's all right. We'll change the name. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's funny. So, yeah. um, oh, shoot. I, I lost my train of thought on that. Oh, I wanted to ask, I saw on the, on the website that it's common cell, saw bike and ski. What, how, yep. How, where'd the ski park come from? So basically we're, we're all snowboarders and skiers in the winter, you know, the Andorra, mm -hmm. the office is at the base of the ski resort. Mm -hmm. And one of the, um, one of the guys head of our media department, Nico Brazin, he's comes from the snowboard industry years ago. And he kind of wanted to start, you know, developing skis. And again, everyone skis there and everyone skis here. I mean, at all of our places, even Squamish, you know, it's right next mm -hmm. to Whistler, we're Colorado. So it was just kind of a fun project. And the, we initially started with, uh, faction skis. So we had a close relationship with them. We basically had their two models, the prodigy three and the dictator that we kind of, they're kind of more of an all mountain ski and then a backcountry ski, you know, big, or, mm -hmm. sorry, big mountain ski. And then kind of designed our top and bottom sheets on that. Did that for about two years and then basically started designing our own um, and shaping everything. And so now we're kind of a full, full blown on skis and boards. Like we have um, two split boards now, one you know, normal snowboard and then all of our ski line and the names of the skis go along with our bikes. So we have the the Supreme on the bike, the Supreme on the ski, which is in your, your big mountain, kind of bomb everything fast as you can. Nice. And we have the Clash, one step down, the Meta, the Tempo, yeah. the Absolute, which is our park ski. And um, yeah, so it's just, it's been a fun, a fun project. We haven't done too, too much marketing around it. Mm -hmm. um, it's, again, we, we are still a bike brand. Yeah. And skis, again, it's just a fun project that we're doing and we're, we're still developing it. We're still working on things and getting feedback from everyone. We just did a, a review with Backcountry um, that's going to get released soon on the both split boards, the, the meta and the tempo. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of how that became what it is. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a cool. department for it soon. So, but right now it's still pretty, pretty small. For, yeah. Um, I think that there's, there's a really good crossover there because I mean, I think that the lot, a lot of people that are into mountain biking, let's just call it more of an adrenaline sport or like mm -hmm. also like an endurance sport too, where like people that are in skiing as well, you'll have, you know, the lift people just like yeah. you do on, on, on mountain bikes, but you also have the people that are like, Hey, I want to go out there and like hike up to the top of this peak and get this like super sick path down. Exactly. And, and, um, 
so with a lot of the climate at places where people are riding it's like yeah wintertime snow so it, it's really it makes a lot of sense honestly it's it's pretty ingenious to have that brand like be both you know yeah for sure and, and like i said it's been it's slowly starting to you know, gain traction with people. We have a few ski athletes that we're working with over over in France, and got actually got a first podium over here in Copper uh, with him. Yeah, this winter and uh, Big Air, and so it's like I said, we aren't trying to rush it. It's just yeah. you know, we're just taking the time, taking the development of it, learning a lot on it, and um, yeah, everyone seems to be to be digging them. So, are I do you ski or snowboard? Yeah, I do, man. I I used to like be that used to be the way I was like ski all winter like as much as i freaking could and mountain bike in the summertime and after moving to california there was a year where like we just got no snow i don't remember what it was but uh yeah and like the snow that we had wasn't you know it wasn't great or whatever and for whatever reason that year i ended up mountain biking like almost all winter and ever since then i just haven't skied as much because it was like I think it was my brain finally realized like wait a minute i don't actually like i can can keep riding you know what i mean yeah for sure we, we, have, we have pretty rad weather out here but um yeah no i i definitely enjoy it a lot last year i, I went with with a buddy and i hadn't been in a while like i felt bad i went out and bought like a new set of skis like three years ago and i didn't even ride them for like two years <laughs> <laughs> it was like That's this so is cool. ridiculous you know yeah and uh no, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's a lot of fun. And I think it's that, like I said, it's that same thing. I definitely have like a, a different vibe when I'm on skis. Like I'd say like mountain biking, I'm more like serious while I'm riding and then like all beers and party afterwards. And like when I'm skiing, I'm like, no, nah, it's cool. We can just dash beer all over the mountain and go out here and do stupid shit. You know? <laughs> 9am first lap, you're like, oh, cool. Crack a beer. <laughs> right. It's like, right. it's like golf, you know, there's no rules when you're at golf course. It's just right, right. You're like, it. oh no, I got I got three beers stashed over here next to this tree, and yeah. then um I got two down on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's super fun, man. I, I really enjoy it. And um it's definitely something yeah. where I, it, it's just like man, the price of skiing has gone up so much where I feel like if you don't buy a season pass now, it's almost like you don't want to go but like once or twice because it's I, I don't know i don't know what like denver but like out here some of the resorts are like 180 bucks for a single day lift ticket oh dude that's on the cheap side right here like vale keystone breckenridge one part all those they were like well over 200 like 250 60 sometimes i forgot wow. what resort it was this year that hit 300 dollars the first resort worldwide to ever reach $300. It was like 301 or 302, something like that. I just don't um, understand where that, where, like, how is it that much? You know, dude, it makes absolutely no sense. Like I was just in uh, actually winter park uh, throughout this last week with my family, they were up visiting and, and we were having the same conversation and I, I worked at winter park and Trestle for a long time. And for a family of four to come up from Denver, you know, it's just a one hour drive. And if you're yeah. having to do ski rentals, your lodging, your food, your lessons, everything. I mean, you're well over into the thousands, like four or five thousand dollars sometimes. Yeah, for, one piece for like peak season, because yeah. lodging for some of these places are five hundred plus a night. Yeah, and then the rentals are, you know, depending on what package you get, one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars. Yeah, Take I don't it. understand it. Crazy, because like, I mean, 
let's just think like oh god i feel like i'm so old when i say this shit when i first moved back from europe i used to live in europe we were skiing the alps for like 35 bucks a lift ticket right and i remember yeah. i came back to to the states and it was like 40 for tahoe and i was like 40 dollars I was, I was skiing the fucking out for, you know, like, yeah. And, and, and let's just say minimum wage then was probably like, I don't know, man, maybe like six bucks an hour or something like that. So you would say like that four times that amount, I guess it was, God, damn, I just worked it out to make sense. I'm like, and that's <laughs> almost 200 bucks a lift ticket now. I'm like, son of a bitch. I guess that, I, I guess know, that's man. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy man because like yeah yeah i was thinking like oh man like what is minimum wage now it's like 15 bucks an hour or something like that so yeah i think yeah it's something around there yeah that's crazy so yeah. i guess man i don't know it's just like it just seems ludicrous to think about like how and half these people work. like they're gonna go take like two runs in the morning and then they're like oh i'm cold i'm over it yeah. and yeah. they just go straight to the bar anyways yeah right yeah i don't understand <laughs> like yeah it's funny because like to me it would like when I was younger, it'd be all about as many laps as you could possibly get. You're like, no, I'm not eating. If you're eating, you like had a sandwich in your backpack so that you could eat oh, while you're sure. on the lift. You know, it's just like smash freaking runs all day long. And yeah, you now, got some, some pocket bacon, PB and J. Right. right. We used to go to these places too that would have like, you could just go a little bit later because you maybe stayed up too late partying and you go get clip somebody's pass on their way out and just yeah. throw it on your jacket and go. And it's like, now everything's all electronic and shit like that. You're like, I don't even know if you can do that anymore. Yeah, dude. It's, it's crazy. And even like at resorts, even it's like parking is yeah. now substantial. And here in Denver, like it's basically one main way up to the resort, one way down on from Denver. And uh -huh. if you aren't leaving your house here, but I would say like 5 a.m. at the latest to go one hour for the resort to open at nine. Mm -hmm. You're going to be, if you leave at like 536, you're going to be sitting in well over two plus hours, sometimes even three hours of traffic just oh to get God. one hour up the road to go ski. And then by the time you get to the resort, then like there's no parking. So you have to park in town. Then you got to get the shuttle to ski. Then you don't want to ski all day because you're going to be hitting traffic coming back home for three plus hours. So you want to leave by like one or two. So it's, it's not even yeah. worth it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, let's <laughs> back to back to bikes. Um, what would you say your most popular your like bike is that you sell? Is it something in the enduro range, or more in the trail, or downhill, or? Um, I would say for us more so. I mean, obviously, we're known on the gravity side. If you go to a downhill race anywhere, like even at World Cups, um, mm -hmm. a lot of the privateers are on Supremes. Cause it's, a, I mean, mm -hmm. it's a race winning bike that is affordable as mm -hmm. well as we have race support, um, race tech support at world cup. So a privateer can go get help with his frame, this and that. Mm -hmm. So we definitely sell a lot of downhill bikes, but I would say the most sold one probably are trail bikes, like meta TR, mm -hmm. meta SX. Um, you know, that's definitely the kind of, especially nowadays, people just kind of want a one bike do all, or maybe mm -hmm. have you know, their big downhill bike. And then they just want, you know, the single crown to do everything. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, something like that. Meta TR, Meta SX kind of fills that. The gap. So, is the TR that's kind of like your enduro, and then TR stands for like trail or something like that? Exactly. Or... Yeah. Yeah. So, TR stands for trail 140 in the rear, 150, I said, or 160 up front, depending on which one you mm-hmm. want to run with it. Yeah. So, good um, middle middle of the road trail bike. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Go on long rides with it. I mean, take it to the bike park if you want. Uh, so, I would mm-hmm. say that's probably our most sold. And then, mm-hmm. still a lot of e bikes, a lot of kids' bikes, of course, and uh, getting into the gravel world now mm-hmm. as well. So, I was going to ask you about that because um, yep. I saw you have more like kind of an urban bike that's more of like a flat bar looking, trying to explain to people listening, like, yeah, kind of like, looks like a fixie with gears, you know, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. like the commuter, the FCB, which is the, mm-hmm. uh, the fast city bike is what it tra- uh, translates nice. to. So yeah, just the kind of hippie dude that just wants to ride it. Right. Ride, ride so you guys are in the process though of coming out with a gravel. Yep. Yeah. So it's called the, the 365. It's been on mm-hmm. social media a little bit um, and it'll like official release, you know, kind of done here soon, but uh, yeah, but full on gravel bike. Um, so kind of slowly getting into that realm. Again, we are a gravity company, but there is a market yeah. for that, especially here. The gravel scene is huge. So yeah. Uh, yeah, starting to work on that, that side of it, development of, you have those. So, and that's a, that's a new world for me. I'm not a big gravel guy. Like I ride road a lot during the winter mm-hmm. just for training stuff, but yeah gravel i i couldn't tell you one thing about yeah i have a gravel bike yeah i have a gravel bike i ride it a lot but i ride it more like a road bike than i would like to say i ride it like a gravel bike but um to me i i I really like the ability to kind of have the ability to do road or or some some like light trail stuff with the same bike and not not have to like i'm not a roadie you know what i mean so like that bike's I could throw slicks on it if I wanted to, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. I can keep the knobbies on and they don't really slow me down much to tell you the truth. And it's like, yeah, I'm doing it. Like you said, mostly to just get some kind of different kind of training. You know, it's real easy to leave my house and go do a two hour ride from my door and be back at my house again compared yeah, to yeah. mountain biking. I have to drive for like 45 minutes, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and for here, like once, the snow kind of starts melting in, you know, melting a lot of the trails and getting there. So mm-hmm. that's where the, the gravel road bike comes into play. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, like from your lineup, it's really the only, I mean, other than a road bike, but it's really like the only thing that you're, that you don't really have. I mean, like we were talking, you have the, the kids mm-hmm. bikes and everything like that. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I said, it's been, uh, our guys over in Europe that is developing this, like they are big in the gravel side. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they know what they're doing. They're working with uh, a few, you know, gravel specific kind of athletes on the development of it, the prototypes, everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's getting done, right. It's getting done well. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for it though. It'll be fun. So you were so. saying the meta TR is more of the trail and then what is the meta SX? So the, that SX is that mullet version, longer travel. Um, 165 in the rear 170 trail bike so mm-hmm. kind of that guy that's not gonna be i would say that that bike was raced on a lot of ewss by the ews team for many years mm-hmm. um but for the guy especially here that like may not pedal as much on the front range still wants to go on a, a long pedal like have a good time in that but mm-hmm. most the guy that just wants a longer travel single crown at the bike park kind of yeah, that's yeah. what a lot of people buy that bike for uh, as well as the clash as well clash is full 27.5 uh, 165, 180. Um, mm-hmm. so that's you still sell the, that or do what you still sell that. Oh yeah. It is on there. Class. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So that's just basically like the little brother to the furious, um, uh-huh. that we have, which, you know, the furious free ride downhill bike, what 
uh, you know, Brett Reader won at Rampage this year. Call Straits ran it for years, all of our guys, Andreu. Mm-hmm. So and then the class was just a single crown version of the Furious. So that's what a lot of people are riding bike parks on these days because they, you know, a little bit more nimble, a little bit more versatile than a full-on downhill rig. Mm-hmm. You um, said that's a 27.5? Yep. Oh, right on. So you guys are still doing both then, 27.5 and 29er bikes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Right on. Yeah, no, the Clash is super fun, man. Honestly, it's like one of my favorite bikes um, that I've owned. And this, you know, I'm not, I had it set up kind of like full park mode. We have one now. It's called the Clash Ride or, yeah, Park Edition. Seven uh-huh. speed drive train, no dropper. It's kind of built for that kind of diehard bike park only, not going to mm-hmm. pedal kind of a guy. Yeah, yeah. You guys have a pretty good, um, like, like the way that you can build it, it's not just like hey this is exactly how it's set up you can you can change a bit yeah. of, of things on there right yeah for sure on the a la carte um the alc program mm-hmm. you just let it click what frame you want and then you can build a full complete bike just how you want it on there or if you have a few parts at home that you already have from I don't know, older bikes or new parts you you don't have to say if you already have a drivetrain cool you can build the frame up with everything except the drivetrain We'll build it up or put everything in the box for you. And then when it gets to your house, you just put on your drive train that you want. Yeah, that's super rad, man. I honestly yeah. think more companies should do that because yeah, there's certain things where it's like, hey, let's just say you buy this bike and you're like, well, I don't like that that um, Fox Airshock and I'm going to put a, a, a EXT on, on it, you know, yeah. and that Airshock is going to go back on the bike when you sell it. And now like, now you're going to try to buy something else and and have to spend that extra money just again for like something that you don't even really want to use so exactly yeah so yeah you can yeah fully customize what you want buy what you want so makes it a little bit more yeah customizable for the for the consumer so. yeah yeah so um so that's kind of like your your big or we we kind of went through those bigger bikes and then is there something in between like the trail bike and the tempo or is the, the, um, for, for right now we have the, like I said, the meta SX TR and then now the, the tempo for that. Okay. We did, we did, do still offer the AM. Um, this is pretty much the last year for that. It was a, uh-huh. a, a little bit, a full 29er in between mm-hmm. the TR and the SX. Mm-hmm. So we honestly, we had a lot of models and we're yeah, just yeah. condensing it all kind of yeah. finding the best of both worlds and all the bikes um kind of simplifying things a little bit mm-hmm. so yeah so like i said so it did have the am again which is just a little bit longer trial was 150 in the rear 160 got up it, front so it. yeah so that's kind of going away then the two new models of the tempo or the tempo and the the, the meta v5 it's mm-hmm. kind of bridging that i got for those if i remember correctly the tempo has the new udh uh hanger on it right Correct. does but not all the rest of your bikes have that yet not not yet we're, we're, it's kind of a, a process working on right now. Uh-huh. So when do you think- I'm all for that thing, man. Like, especially yeah. there's just so many different hangers, different models for every bike. It's going to simplify things much. Yeah, better. no, it'll, it'll definitely be nicer. And honestly, everything that I've seen about the, the SRAM transmission and it just answers so many or like solves so many little problems that I have with shifting that always comes yeah. down to it's like, like, yeah, my hanger might not be like bent, bent, but I'll like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to smash through some rocks. It's going to ding it a little bit where it's like always one gear that I just can't quite get right. You, you know yeah. what I mean? And One gear is always unhappy with it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it just a little seems bit. like, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I'm, so. I'm excited to, I'm going to build my next bike with that transmission. I'm really oh, yeah. excited about trying it. it, it it's honestly, I, I haven't been that stoked about trying something new for a while, but like, I just, yeah. oh man, I always am like, it sucks, dude. Like you'll, you'll go out, you'll like build this, you know, brand new bike and, and you know, first or second ride, you like clip some rock or something like that. And it's like, you can never get it to like perfect. At least I can. I'm not, I guess I'm just not a very good mechanic. Stuff <laughs> <laughs> Like, have you felt the new SRAM? I haven't yet. Have you? Yeah. It's, it's pretty insane. I'm not gonna lie. It's yeah. so nice. I mean, it is very expensive, but yeah. it, the stuff's good, man. It is. Have so, you ridden, ridden it? Mm -hmm. So yeah. what do you, the, my biggest concern is that they said it shifts a little slower. Is it, it, do you feel like you could like dump your gears fast enough when you're like, Oh shit, climb or like, man, I need to get, I want to get to the 10 tooth, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, I no complaints on it. Honestly. So you didn't like, notice. I ran, yeah. I've ran access for a long time and that's, you mm -hmm. know, runs really well, normal, and test out from you know trp shimano all sorts of stuff um mm -hmm. and yeah th this stuff is really nice i mean there is just like the slightest slightest delay with anything you're gonna have with mm -hmm. wireless but i mean it, you don't even really notice it like you'll yeah, be in a yeah. parking lot one of my buddies that worked at SRAM when I first tried it he was like dude just hop on my bike just start sprinting as hard as you can and just run through the gears just start mm -hmm. hammering on it and everything was just so perfect just going right down the line and then coming right oh, back wow. up didn't skip a beat and i'm just hammering on the pedals oh wow no issues yeah and, i'm, I'm um, super excited about that yeah so it's it is nice stuff i gotta gotta admit they killed it yeah 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 everything i've heard has just been like right in line with what you said so and then you watch a bunch of guys like out on youtube or whatever like standing on top of it and getting up and it's still shifting fine i'm like oh my god i <laughs> yeah, will pay I whatever that, it is yeah. I don't even care. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, for real, yeah. And honestly, whenever I looked at the pricing, like if you're you're looking at the XO, for example, or even the XX for that matter, and you break out all those parts at you know that same level, so like you can't cons like compare the price of uh, an XO drivetrain to like a GX and be like, oh, it's so expensive. You know what I mean? It's like, no, yeah. but if you bought the crank and all, all that all together, all separately, it's like, dude, that's I mean, it sucks to buy it all at once like that, but um, it's it's not too bad, you know. And and you know, with SRAM, it'll be a year, maybe two tops. There's going to be a GX version, and then an X version, you know. So like you'll, oh, yeah. it's like it's, it'll probably come. Yeah, people just like sure, imagine and crying right away, you know. And you're like, come on, man, they're going to yeah, bring out yeah. the top of the line first, and then you're going to get you you don't you don't start like with you're like hey i'm gonna bring out the uh base model and then build up you know yeah no absolutely like i'm still like i run an exo shifter with a gx derailleur uh -huh. like works just fine it's cost effective yeah. for everyone if you blow one up cool sounds good they're like they're so cheap toss it right on yeah. there good to go again but in the shifter like the exo is a good bit better than than the gx so yeah that is baller on a budget kind of style on that yeah one. yeah and even with the shifters like the exo shifter though is not much more expensive no like, it's really not no yeah yeah it's not like like the cassette for example i mean the difference between a gx cassette and an xx kind of cassette and price is just like ridiculous oh, it's you know what i mean but like with the shifter it's like okay one of them's like 35 bucks and the other one's like 60 you know you're like okay it's no, not it's, it's, it's not like you know 
breaking the bank. You know? No, I just order a few less to your craft beers and right, right. Yeah, yeah, go buy some, go buy some Coors Light, drink some real beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I want to talk about your e-bike too. So how long has that yeah. been out? Uh, quite, quite a while. Um, and now we're already working on a new generation, new model of it. It's going to be coming out soon. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, dude, the e-bikes are, are great. Great, man. We've, um, first released, them. I think it was like three years ago, maybe four now, mm -hmm. um, maybe wrong on that, but, uh, but yeah, they, they're awesome. I actually just built myself a brand new one that's sitting in the garage that I've yet to, yet to ride. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, we're all about it. I had the Shimano system and then we're, like I said, we have a, um, few new, new models in the line that we're like I said, just about to release. Uh, actually right. I think next week, I believe. Oh, online. sweet. So I guess so there'll be some new stuff coming out. So keep an eye out for that. But so um, right now you have, I mean, it looks like a, a handful of different versions. So is it like mm -hmm. a, a longer travel or shorter travel or kind yep. of what, what, what's the, what's the lineup look like? It's pretty much the same as our normal bike. So you got the, the meta power TR and same as the normal TR, just with the e-bike, the meta SX still longer travel mullet setup there. Uh, we have the max max, which is, you know, hardtail kind of that commuter mellow trail kind of mm -hmm. a one kind of there uh, as well as a kid's bike kids e-bike too so oh, that wow. that's been a yeah that's been a really good good hit and especially for especially for here a lot of the climbs are really pretty steep and long mm -hmm. and it's allowed kids to go out on trail rides with their parents you know in evenings and you know i mean because even when you're that long that young like you just haven't developed the the muscle yeah. yet to pedal bike up some of these climbs and man i didn't get their kid the e-bike yeah, yeah. And they get on the e-bike and the kids are and they and the parents will ride their normal bike. Right. And kids are right there with them, right on their tail. And that's it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to watch. That's actually pretty rad. I I, I have not yeah. thought about that in terms of like a a good market for the e-bikes. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them, uh, we actually start filming a project on Monday, but a lot with the the e-bikes as well, and even some of the kids' e-bikes, like the dads and the e-bikes pulling their kids up. A lot of the shuttle trails here mm -hmm. um if it's just them two riding they'll pull you know dad will have the e-bike and then the kid will you know have a big bungee and his dad's pulling him up yeah and, um, yeah i was riding in uc um in santa cruz a couple months ago oh, yeah. with one of my buddies and and he had his e-bike and he was he was pulling me up the hill i was like and we were both yeah. big dudes i mean you you met me in person i'm like yeah 245 you know my buddy's <laughs> probably damn close to my same size and that bike that just freaking taking us up the hill i was like this is pretty rad <laughs> yeah this is that's climbing done right now right right yeah so but, yeah we're your bigger it. one like what kind of range do you get with that so it's the shimano ep8 and um so it's i mean you can get i would say i mean if you're full boost you know non-stop climbing straight like you know i mean you can still get you know a couple hour ride with it mm -hmm. um usually i'll go out i usually keep it on eco mode sometimes trail um mm -hmm. And just to get a little bit more longevity out of the battery, but I'm gonna go do three, four plus hour rides on it, on mm -hmm. one uh, on one battery life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's the lower lower watt ones. Like I know Specialized came out. I don't even I forgot what model it is, but I think it's like mm -hmm. a little 300 watt this and that. And I don't know. Me personally, I think an e-bike should stay an e-bike. A normal bike, acoustic bike should stay a normal bike. Mm -hmm. Getting any e-bike like one. There's certain people and brands are trying to make them too close together. I think. Yeah, and, like you have a pivot right now, like SL. I think that's what it is, the pivot SL, and that thing's like thirty-eight pounds. But I don't think it has quite as much like 
No, it doesn't, doesn't have yeah. exactly. Yeah, it doesn't have near the power as other e-bikes do. They run out much quicker. So I mean, if you're just needing it to get like a quick after work ride, like a quick little hour loop, hour and a half loop, something like that, yeah, it like works yeah. pretty good. But if you're wanting to go out and do a big day on the e-bike, especially here, you know, getting up uh, fourteen thousand, you know, plus feet on some of these climbs yeah. that we do, and you know, but tree line, like it takes a while to get up yeah. there, and so like you're gonna run out immediately. I um, think that's in my head, like, and, and I don't have an e-bike and I think that's probably the problem of why I have the opinion that I have right now. And like my mind, those smaller ones seem like they're, they're more appealing to me because realistically I've ridden one a couple of times and it just feels like, I don't like the weight of it and the way that it feels on the downhill. And like my braking is, I'm sure they're all shit. It's shit that you get used to as you ride it. Yeah, but in my head, I'm like, oh, that lighter one would be rad because then I could just like shoot up the freaking hill and then turn it off and then just smash normal down the hill. But I've heard a few people tell me like in those situations where like there's smaller ones, the battery just it doesn't last to do yeah. the day that you're kind of like imagining, you know? Exactly. Like if you're just a really quick, short rides, I mean, it's perfect for you. It's great. Yeah. But again, yeah, if you're wanting to do a big day on the bike and cruise out there especially when you're with a lot of buddies and like y'all yeah. have e-bikes and then you're the one you're the only one that's on the lighter less powerful shorter bike it's like all right yeah. you know they're gonna still keep going busting out 10 plus laps at like one of our local spots yeah. and you just you know you got you got a few and you got about half of them out in yeah and then, and then you're like all right well i guess i'm gonna go get my normal bike now and yeah not, yeah, yeah so your recommendation would be get the biggest one that you can and and i think so it, and just like mentally separate it like this is analog day this is like e-day for sure yeah and like the rule i've like made for myself is like if i i drain like ride the e-bike on the weekends it's like you know party lap mode and i can't i don't recharge it until the next friday night so it forces me to ride my normal bike and train and everything mm -hmm. during the week so you're like ah, i just want to go hop on the e-bike you know it's like no you gotta ride your normal bike and keep yeah. the e-bike for the weekends just me my personal yeah 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 but um yeah, yeah it's, there's it's, some guys just, that just leaned in leaned right in i i, I know this oh, one yeah. dude he just like sold all his analog bikes he's like i don't even, i'm not touching it again like, yeah, I mean, like screw this dude i'm getting yeah. as big as i can yeah i mean yeah like i said i i keep them fully separated i think there should be a big separation there but yeah i know a lot of people probably disagree with me on that but yeah i think you know it's you know like we were saying it's really like what what your personal preference is i i just i really enjoy that feeling of getting to the top of one of those huge mountains like like you know we don't have 14 but we got close to 10 out here and it's like yeah. you get up there on your own like power and you're like man I, I i really feel like i accomplished something you know oh for sure and yeah. um that part i really enjoy about the analog side but there's days that you know like our local spot where we go ride and we'll be doing shuttle laps and we have to have like six trucks you know to mm -hmm. to like make it work right and you know and and like maybe one of the people that we're with is on e-bike and we'll drive there faster but by the time we unload and pedal over to the trail like they'll be there yeah you know it's like okay well is it really worth us driving six vehicles up all over the place and like doing all the shuttle math and you know yeah, no, for sure yeah and the logistics behind shuttling sometimes and the guy doesn't show up that had the shuttle truck now you're having right. to rig up something yeah or you I have mean, that one extra person you're like uh we were already sitting on each other's laps i don't know like how this yeah. is gonna work but yeah we'll figure it out you know yeah. like 
hop on the tailgate or something. Right, there. right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, um, yeah. Yeah. E- said e-bikes are sick. Like definitely a fan of them, but there's a time and place for it. And I kind of see them as, as skis as well. A lot of people around here, like you have your, you know, your powder day ski, your groomer ski, mm-hmm. your backcountry setup. I see it as just a bike that you add to your fleet. It's not going to, yeah. yeah. And just for me personally, it's never going to replace my normal trail bike. There's a time yeah. and place for both of them. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, dude, they're, hell of a time There's are you time. noticing it more there um here I, i've definitely started to notice that i feel like i see more e-bikers on a ride than i do analog riders at certain trail systems here yeah if yeah. it's a system that's like it's more just kind of busting out laps on it kind of one main trail climb yeah. in the top 30 45 minutes and you just do a lap and then you know just all sorts of like the e-bikes are taking over hands down yeah but if it's the rides that are just more of the the big, you're on one trail the whole time, way back up in the hills, not near as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I definitely would say, you know, now that you say it that way, I, I, I guess most of the backcountry stuff, the big rides that we do up in high altitude, yeah, you're only going to see like analog people there. But yeah. um, I think that's because like all the analog riders are the ones with the screws loose to go like, go do that. <laughs> you know, or, but like, if you go somewhere that's more the local spot, I've just noticed that it just seems to be more and more people like the weekend warrior kind of spots, you, you know what I mean? Where it's like, those people are coming out and they're, you know, just buying their, they've, they've sold their analog bikes and bought e-bikes and they're now, you know, doing three laps of what they used to do one of, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, uh, there's a time and place for it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah we have one system here that you know, like you can do ten plus laps on an e-bike on some of the sickest trails you're gonna ride in the right. area when normally you would get like four or five on your normal bike. Yeah, before you're, like, before you're like, you know pretty smoked and you're feeling it. Yeah. Um, do you think that um, so you just get used to like breaking different and kind of like throwing the bike around a little differently? Like it's just like takes a little bit of time. Exactly. It takes a little bit of time. Like there, there is obviously so much more weight to it than a normal bike, but where, where the weight is positioned, that's where like where a really well-designed e-bike outperforms the other ones is where they have the weight um, centered in the bike in the bottom bracket, even with the battery, the position of the battery, Mm -hmm. um, all that stuff with it. And where, you know, the, the pivot points are of the design, that's where it really starts coming in key on a really good e-bike. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just something to get used to because it is, yeah. it is very different. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I just it's remember the very different. first time that I did it, it was just every corner I was coming in way too hot because I would be coming in like analog speed and yeah. you know, like, I know I don't need to break until like right here. And then I'd start breaking and it'd be like, I'm not slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, it's a little bit of a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On, but, on. Yeah. They're, they're fun. I love them. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's one of those things where it's like I'd love to get one. It's just financially, there's like all these other bikes that I want to. <laughs> <laughs> there's always the always the toys. I know it's right, right. Yeah. So um earlier you had mentioned that you guys use um Owens on your on your bikes. How did that that relationship happen? Um yeah, we've been using Owens just for, for a little bit now, and they you know how that developed on the kind of the OEM side. Mm-hmm. Uh, working, being able to offer different build options uh, that people can get straight from their website. 
Uh, I've been on, pers- on a personal level and working with Olin's for shoot, going on almost four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been a sponsor of mine and work with them. And I, I believe in the product 100% love the, mm-hmm. love the entire line. And so it's cool being able to offer that on the, uh, especially the tempo, the, you know, we have builds on the Supreme, we want the furious, all sorts of stuff. So it's, a, it's cool just to be able to offer that outside of just mm-hmm. a Fox and a rock shocks. You know, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, so many people that or so many companies and pretty much that's all there is. Yeah. uh, To start seeing some of these different brands like Owens or EXT or or push being offered on bikes is like, I I think that it's really it's really cool because. um, Yes, those products are more expensive, but man, you can it, it, it definitely is like such a huge difference in what you get out of that. Like I can't imagine I haven't personally ridden a Fox coil, so I can't say for sure. But my assumption is a coil that costs 500 bucks is no way it's going to co- like feel as good as a $1,200 shock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're not just making these the, prices up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think the, the push shock and ext like those coil shocks i think they're literally they're twelve hundred dollars yeah yeah one of those shocks but and i feel olin's now like the the price point for them has come down quite a bit over Mm -hmm. the last you know couple years and now it's like kind of price point with again the fox rock shocks and everything and and the Mm -hmm. quality is there the longevity is there the maintenance is so easy it's very very little Mm -hmm. um so yeah and people have been really stoked with it Uh, a lot of people buy it that they're a little, again, they're a little hesitant on it. They've only ever ran Fox. They've only ran, you know, Marzocchi, Rockshox, yeah. Suntour, BBO, all these things. But yeah. it's a product that we truly feel is up to par with mm-hmm. the two top brands. Because, um, I mean, we aren't going to, you know, spec our bikes with products that we don't believe in that we wouldn't ride ourselves. Because mm-hmm. uh, then it just creates issues with us later on down the line, even if it is a little bit more cost effective. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, nothing but good things with Owens, man. So if you've yet to try it, then yeah, I think it's it's cool too to have a a bike that's designed or like a a tune for that shock that's designed for that actual frame as well. Mm-hmm. Where like you guys have worked with them hand in hand to to like get the perfect setup, and um, I I I will say this to anybody that's listening to the first time, I rode Airshock for a long time, and the reason I never wrote a coil was because it was like oh that's like 1200 bucks just to try i don't know if i'm gonna like that you, you know yeah. what i mean and um the first time that i had a coil it just completely like oh my god this is amazing like i wish i would have done that years ago like why yeah. did i wait you know yeah i know and like a properly tuned coil shock is i mean it's insane it's so good yeah that's another thing is like if you buy a shock from us or a complete you know if you're on the a la carte page or just buying a frame only if you get a shock from us it's specifically tuned for that frame that you get Mm -hmm. so if you have a shock that like oh let's buy a frame and i'll put my i still have you know a 250 by 75 shock here that came off my i don't know whatever other frame you're running Mm -hmm. it's not going to feel near as good as getting a shock from us again with that specific tune for that bike Mm -hmm. that we work with the brands to have our bikes OEM spec with the best possible tune on that shock that you can get. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of another plus of getting this is the the shock with us whenever you buy the frame. 
So then you just like put in your weight in that process or something like that. And then you guys pick the spring for that. Or how does that work out? Yeah. So they, uh, whenever you're on the all cart page, if you know, I mean, for most bikes, if you're a 450 spring on this, a lot of times you're going to be a 450 spring kind of across the board. Mm -hmm. You might, it might vary, you know, 25, 50 pounds here and there. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you're on the all cart and you pick a coil and you pick, you know, Owens, uh, like 525, but they, you can put in the special instructions. I weigh this much. If you think this is, you know, not heavy enough for me or too soft, can you please put the proper spring on and we'll, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. no Got it. So oh. just use the special, the special instructions portion of the yep. website. Yeah, you can do that. And a lot of people call in, you know, they just ask us, Hey, I'm ordering the Supreme. I'm, you know, so-and-so weight. Here's my riding mm -hmm. style, beginner, intermediate, advanced. And then we'll kind of start helping them out on that side so they can yeah, get, yeah. get the right one yeah so. right on man i i wanted to earlier you were saying that not all the frames had the udh on it when we were talking about that do, do you have like a i know you, you can't tell me like hey do you normally release bikes at a certain time of year or do they just trickle whenever you're 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 ready for we used to try to do it at the start of each season mm -hmm. uh kind of pre pre-covid right now mm -hmm. just with how manufacturing is the delays we're still seeing on shipping the production the production materials everything we're mm -hmm. honestly just kind of releasing things as we as we can as mm -hmm. soon as we so, can so uh, I, we, you know, we try to do it like i said at the start of the season start of spring uh when you know i would say even like late in the winter february march april when people mm -hmm. kind of start thinking of the bike season they start mm -hmm. looking at bike videos instead of ski videos and what they start bringing their bike out of the garage like oh i need to replace mm -hmm. all this i just want to get a new bike something like that so it kind of mm -hmm. gets it fresh into their mind that we have new bikes that we're releasing mm -hmm. so, um but yeah but as of right now it's just kind of like whenever we're able to and everything is up to par how we feel we want to do it then we'll do it then and there yeah yeah so it seems like it's just like like you were saying earlier, probably an e-bike in the next week or so. And so things are just kind of throughout the year. What's the best way for people to know, just like follow you guys on Instagram or like. Yeah. yeah social media. Kind of like update, like put me on the newsletter kind of thing on the website or something. Or So if you order anything off the website, then the email that you created there goes in basically our data poll. So every newsletter that we send out, you'll get that newsletter mm -hmm. and every new bike that we release models, even if it's the same frame, but different build kits or new a la carte options that we can do will, mm -hmm. or even events that we're doing, we'll get sent to that newsletter. But honestly, social media, the main comments all page, we'll post it on our main, um, yeah. that one, the comments all USA, as well as Canada. Um, so uh, yeah, that's kind of the best way to go about it. And then pink bike, we always have our full pink bike article with the video that we'll release with the bike and the photos mm -hmm. and all that. So but easiest for most people hop on Instagram and it'll yeah. be right there for you. Yeah. Yeah. No. I want to ask you um, as well, we're going to pivot off of, of uh common salt just for a minute. You had told me that you're a continental rider as well. Mm -hmm. And um, every year for the last few years, I go to sea otter and they're pretty much the biggest supporter there like they always have like you yeah. know huge tents and all over the place and i'm always walking around like i don't know anything about them until yeah. this year they finally or i don't know finally i don't know what they've been doing all along obviously a lot with with bikes that i'm just like completely like ignorant to 
but yeah. that new Kryptol tire, I've just heard so many people talking about it. Are you riding yeah. that? I am. Yeah. So honestly, like across the whole line, the Xanatol, Kryptol, Argatol, all of them are, dude, they're so good. They're honestly the best tires I've ever ran. Not just because I'm affiliated with them, but they mm-hmm. truly are so good. Um, and even like right now, I'm kind of like the setup I ran at, at Sea Otter was like the Xanatol front rear, a little bit faster rolling, but still had you know really good side knobs on it for cornering. Mm-hmm. And I've been riding that here in Colorado uh, just to try a little. It's like I said, it's a little bit less aggressive tire mm-hmm. but it's handling again I'm, it's rolling faster but still handles so well and like the loose the, right here the z1 you said the xynotol the xynotol yeah x y n o t a l oh okay um, X-Y, okay yeah and uh, i've been kind of messing around with the enduro and trail casing front you know front and rear messing with a little bit as well as down on casing and everything mm-hmm. and dude, they're they're good man like it's still a lot of people are still just learning that they're doing bike tires because mm-hmm. they come from there you know the automotive industry Mm-hmm. for years and you know german-based company but um but dude if uh whenever you get a chance to get a set of them definitely yeah it's, it's so, so the the cryptol is more of the enduro tire and then the the sinatol you said is the yeah yeah the cryptol is a little bit more uh aggressive tire in there uh-huh. they get you know the the front and rear tread patterns for those and then yeah the sinatol is a little bit um a little faster rolling on the top knobs there but still good um side knobs mm-hmm. for for one cornering there so so that just so people know then also like they're actually making a front specific and a rear specific version it's not like let's just say maxis for example where it's like yeah you can put a dhf on the rear if you wanted to you know like <laughs> yeah i mean you you can run them like we've ran like the the rear front and rear again just mm-hmm. trying things and it runs really really mm-hmm. well against it's a little bit more aggressive but it does under braking is where it really performs and on a, on a downhill bike on the, that's what you mainly look for is a tire that is good under braking, good right. under braking and cornering. you know, as far as acceleration goes, like it's, again, you're, you don't need that as important. So you just need a tire that's going to be a consistent feel and a rear and get really good under braking, no matter what soil you're going to be in. And that's yeah. where that rear is really, really good. Um, but with have you tried that, have you yep. tried the Kryptol up front and the Xynatol in the back? Like just to kind of give you a little better spin for like. Yeah. And for, for overall, I th- it is a very, very good combo. Yeah. And no matter if you're on trail, enduro or downhill casing. Uh-huh. You know, if you're on, out here, it's really, and a lot of places, like the really sharp rocks, you know, you want a little bit extra, extra cushion on there, a little bit more damping. So that downhill casing is really nice. Mm-hmm. But, um, but most of the time I run full trail or enduro. And all mm-hmm. that things again lightens it up a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit harder compound on the trail, um, but yeah, still traction is really nice. And yeah, the Zynatol on the rear, then like the crypto up front is a freaking amazing combo for all around, one, all huh? trails, okay. loose, even even in mud too. Like it's uh-huh. still really really good. So your versions are are what what are the um you said trail and then enduro or downhill or yeah. what what are the names again? Exactly, yeah, trail, enduro, or uh, downhill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There. Got it. So the enduro is kind of like a, not like a double down, but like a EXO plus kind of thing. If you're if you're in the Maxis zone. Pretty similar. Yeah. Compared to Maxis, kind of like a EXO plus double down, and then they're down. Okay. More or less. Okay. Got it. Same. same Right on, man. (laughs) I I I, um I hadn't seen them until Sea Otter and the shop that I always use. uh, Shout out to Spartan Rides and in Phoenix. Um, they had them there, and it just the um 
the way that compound felt in my hand, like the first time that you go up and you just like squeeze that, that like downhill, like you're like, holy shit, dude, it feels like Play-Doh where yeah, you're it like, it is so soft, soft yeah. but like, obviously it's not going to like just rip right off, but it's like, and those guys were saying they wear well, even like, even as yeah. soft as it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And in the downhill, like I said, it is that the super soft compound yeah. that comes on the downhill casing and it's literally, it's almost like Play-Doh, dude. Like it's so yeah. crazy how well it grips and everything, but yeah, the yeah, yeah. The tire is really good. It lasts forever. Yeah. So, I would imagine pedaling it up some like road probably sucks balls because you probably feel like it's like, like Velcro, but oh, and, oh, I mean, yeah. the downhill stuff though is like where that's just going to pay off something fierce. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's good, man. And they were the, like the presenting sponsor of sea otter. So that's why you uh -huh. obviously saw the signage everywhere and the big booths and, yeah, uh, and everything. So they definitely go, go all out for that event. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, uh, it's neat to, to see, like, like I said, though, like even the year before they were there and cause I remember walking around and thinking like, I don't really know why they're here. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like <laughs> yeah. in my mind, you know, and, and I, I will be the first to admit that I'm not one of those, like, I'm not like a biking guru by any means. I'm like more, more like the regular guy that like, Put it this way. When I met Sam, Sam Pilgrim, my friend was like, hey, this is Sam Pilgrim. And I'm like, hey, what's up? I don't know. To me, it was some dude named Sam. <laughs> yeah, cool. you, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, right on. You like bikes? So do I. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, um, <laughs> shout out to him as well, man. I I feel like that's my favorite legend. channel lately. Oh, my God. Have you watched his YouTube stuff? Oh, yeah. I will say he's one of the only like YouTubers that I watch. Yeah, I, I love watching his stuff, man. It's so good. He's like so comical and like the shit he's willing to try. I watched him like riding this bamboo bike and he's just like doing shit that you're like, man. And he's telling you the whole way through the video, like, I'm pretty sure the head tube's going to break on this thing. And like, that's oh, yeah. what I'm worried about. And Lo and behold, he, you know, he's still like out there just hucking shit, man. That guy's nuts. But what he's funny to too, you know? So Yeah. What you got to do to get the views. <laughs> i guess right yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny but now the dude's sick yeah yeah for sure man so um what are you excited about with you know as far as comments all goes oh man like that's just uh the what's to come honestly yeah and the like growing up racing downhill and being more gravity oriented guy and being with a brand that that's the heart and soul is downhill racing and mm -hmm. you know with I had over next seas, so I'll be at uh, all the World Cups and everything. And like when when you're there at a World Cup, and again you're with Commonwealth, it's it, it's really cool, man. It is with all the teams, the this the time and effort they put into it, learning yeah. everything about it. So honestly, excited for the World Cup season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hoping you know the teams do well because I'm still affiliated with uh, one of the Commonwealth teams as well, and so I'll be over there helping Austin Dooley out, Pamanoyo, a few other boys, and um, mm -hmm. so and I'll take care of all the the North Americans for comments all as far as kind of helping out on the support over there working in mm -hmm. with our uh race support tent and our canada office so but yeah just a lot of good things to come in always something new always something yeah. to talk about and um that's yeah. got to be a super fun friend. experience you know yeah. going to that and be like being part of the team and what, what do you enjoy about it like like just like the camaraderie or like the actual like race or dude all of it honestly like yeah Last year, I started the, the Commons on North America World Cup team, and it was like, 
I mean, it was a lot. Like I learned so much from being like a, a race team manager and all mm -hmm. the logistics that come around it. And mm -hmm. like, it is a lot, but whenever you're in the finished corral, it's finals day, thousands of people cheering. It's just like your rider comes down, they do well. It's just like that moment is pretty freaking. Yeah. And like, you get a lot of like that feeling on TV and like the nervousness and everything. But when you're down there and the last few riders are coming, it's like, it's nuts, man. It's so cool. And yeah. like the racing and over in Europe, like you go over there and you're like downhill is definitely not dead. Yeah. And Dude, like being in Leger last year for Worlds in the Finnish Corral, that was one of the most insane experiences I've ever had. Yeah, especially I'll have with to go to one of those. Sometimes I'm, I'm not much of a person that watches racing, you know. So okay. I always say like the pro riders that I know that their names is because I've met them. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like otherwise I'm like people start rattling off names. I'm like, dude, I have no clue who you're talking about. But I think that <laughs> that environment yeah. though, like the way you're explaining it, it sounds like a really good time. It is, man. And it's, I mean, it's something that you got to experience. If, even if you're, even if you're like a big, like roadie or XC dude, whatever, whatever, whatever may obviously cross countries in the world cups and it's really cool. But mm -hmm. the finals day of downhill is second to none, off the hook, huh? yeah. yeah. Especially when, if you're in a country and that country's rider wins. Phew, yeah. Absolutely. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Europe, man. I, they're, they're big on their like yeah. sports and they're like local people. I, I feel like they're like more stoked about it than Americans for some reason. I don't know. Like, Oh yeah. Like, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's rad, man. It sounds, yeah, sounds like a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome, man. I say it's a great company to be with and um, excited for the future for the brand and here in the North uh, USA as well. It's uh -huh. like the brand's grown so much and um, you know, it's gained a lot of good traction here. People seem pretty, pretty stoked on it and it's a uh, yeah cool brand to be a part of so right on man well, we're about to wrap yeah. up dude uh, it's been cool. awesome chatting with you dude so much fun Thanks. talking about all the different bikes that you guys have and what your personal experience has been so i really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and, and chat with me and and all the the biker bar uh, patrons and listeners and whatever you want to yeah. call them <laughs> <laughs> whatever there yeah no thanks for yeah. having me man. it was uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. super you. fun super yeah. fun chat i always like to ask people at the end um what YouTube channels they like to watch, whether it has to do with mountain biking or not. Like there's always some interesting ones that come up since this is, is put on YouTube. It would be really easy yeah. for people to look around. YouTube channels that I watch. Yeah. Outside of the comments on channel. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say I, I love watching, watching Remy stuff. Remy Mattia is. Oh yeah. 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 His stuff I had him really on the good. show a couple couple episodes back. He was real fun to chat with too. Yeah, I I, I watched that episode actually. I, so, oh, right on. Yeah, I always good watching that. I watch a lot of uh, like rally car stuff too. Oh, cool! It's, it's always something I thought would be so cool to do. Like I'm never gonna. Yeah. I mean, maybe say not, never say never. I guess, but dude, yeah. I, I love watching that stuff. Of what Charles Pastrana and even like stuff like I don't know, Axel Hodges. His, yeah, uh, Charles like, Pastrana is a nutcase man. That guy's rad. <laughs> Yeah, so good. Anything those guys do in like the moto yeah. side of it, and I'm a no, big Supercross fan. So anything with Supercross, yeah, stuff, makes sense. The, okay. the writers, yeah, the, even their, their podcast, the Pulp MX, everything. I'll listen to all yeah. that. Stuff, so. Right on, man. Yeah. And That's the bike awesome, podcast too. So yeah, there you go. Right, and I got got a, I got one subscriber at a time, dude. That's how I'm doing it, man. <laughs> yeah, one at a time. That's all it takes. Right. Well, like I said, I appreciate it, man. I really, really do. Um, it was a great, great conversation. Those of you guys that haven't checked out Common Sol before, there is a link in the show more. You can click that, go over, check it out. Um, 
lot lots of good bikes in the lineup over there good good affordable prices and even if you um want to save a little bit more money you can look at that secondhand stuff i would imagine their demo yeah. fleet's probably getting close to coming up on on uh being up on there so go ahead and swing over to the website take a look at it um give give me a follow on instagram or facebook if you haven't already get some extra free content over there really appreciate it if you're watching this this long on youtube and you haven't hit subscribe or thumbs up you're doing it wrong other than that there is just one thing that you need to remember it only takes a bike to be a biker so get out and be one it's true <laughs>